Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And all month long in February, you know the month of love. We're talking about learning to lead with love and how this can truly be a competitive advantage for us. And as we talk about this, my guest today is going to have some really fascinating uh, insights on this. I'm very certain. She's on a mission to help people make better choices for a better life. Her name is Kim Olver, and she's studied choice theory for over 30 years and has developed her coaching pro process of mental freedom based on it. She's an international speaker and award-winning author. She's got several books, including Leveraging Diversity at Work with Sylvester Baugh, Secrets to Happy Couples, Choosing Me Now, and a choice theory guide to relationships. So this is definitely gonna be up our alley today. She's also the author of the Relationship Center blog and the producer of the podcast, Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, and the creator of Empowerment Parenting, a 25-hour parenting curriculum for court-mandated parents. She's also the owner of Academy of Choice, a board-certified coaching program, and she's a model of what she teaches. She really, truly believes in responsibility, trust, and appreciation, and knowing that they are the keys to a happy and successful life. So, Kim, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Michael, for having me. It's such a pleasure. This is going to be, I, I just love what you do in your area of expertise, because I think it's not only aligns with our, our theory or, or our series for the month, but really, um, it's about being aware of what our choices do, what impact they have on our lives and the lives of others. So, you know, I gave a little highlight of your bio, but tell us in your own words a little bit more about you, your business, and how you help people to shock their potential. Okay, well, shocking your potential, that's an, an interesting way of putting it, but I do believe that probably the biggest shock we need to, to come to is so often when we're frustrated or things aren't going the way that we want, we're looking outside of ourselves as the problem and trying to find solutions outside of ourselves instead of, I like the first step to be looking in the mirror mm -hmm. and asking yourself, what am I doing to create this situation and what can I change that will help alleviate the situation? And in that way, it really relieves a lot of the frustration because the one thing I know that I can control is me. And if I spend my life trying to control everyone else, I'm setting myself and them up for uh, for misery, really, because it's not something I can do. It's so true. Um, I, I say the same thing. So I deal with leadership issues and sales issues, and I'm constantly talking to, you know, if it's a group or it's an individual coaching session, I'm talking about that, that mirror, you know, how do we have to look in that mirror and have some really honest, you know, views of ourselves, because it's easy to blame other people or outside situations. But at the end of the day, um, you're absolutely right. We can only control 
ourselves and how we respond. But so many times we have to recognize that we are a part of the problem often, but we even more importantly can be and should be the part of the solution, no matter what, even if there's other outside influences that are, that are having an impact that we still can make choices that lead to a positive outcome. Absolutely. I think um, when I teach choice theory to people, I usually lead with two questions. The first one is whose behavior can you control? And everyone knows the answer to that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting because 30 years ago, when I asked that question, people would answer it with things like, well, I control my spouse, I control my children. <laughs> so I feel like at least there's some hope for, for the human race because we've made some progress since then. Um, but then when I asked the second question, which is whose behavior do you try to control all day long? People kind of chuckle and, and readily admit that they do work at trying to control everyone else's. Parents try to control their children. Teachers are always trying to control their students. Um, leaders are trying to control their, their workers and spouses for sure, people in, in relationships. And even though you think that you're not trying to do that, there's so many subtle ways in which we do that, that when we look in the mirror, if we have the information we need to recognize those things, then we can um, make a plan to do it differently first, recognize it, and then and then work at fixing it. But know that it's a habit and it's not going to go away overnight. It's <laughs> something that takes time. And I've been doing this thirty over 30 years and I still catch myself doing things like that. So it's it's not a perfection uh, process. It's, I like to borrow the phrase um, project process, um, I'm sorry, progress, not perfection. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what um, the goal is. And you can't do that without looking in the mirror and starting with yourself. Yeah, I, I so agree. And it's interesting. There's two things that I thought of as you were speaking. One is, is the reminder of the serenity prayer. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, <laughs> courage to change the things I can but the wisdom to know the difference. And, um, you know, my family, uh, my father was uh, a part of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, for my entire life uh, that I knew. He actually stopped drinking when I was adopted. And so that serenity prayer was always in our house. You know, it was on the wall and we talked about it, but I don't think it was until, you know, maybe the last 15 years of my life, probably, that I really started to to embrace that, you know, and find that um, find some peace in it, you know. So when you're you're younger and you're, you know, you're trying to you know manage kids and and life and work and everything's so stressful, it's so easy to feel like all those things outside of you are creating chaos and stress, and instead understanding that sometimes things are just going to happen. But other times there are things you can control, but do you know which, do you know how to define the difference between both of those? Absolutely. And it's so fascinating you bring up the serenity prayer because we in the choice theory community have made a slight adaptation to that serenity prayer. And mm -hmm. I love it. And I'm not trying to by any means disrespect the original author, but we say this, um, God grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change. And of course, we have to pause a minute and say, do you know who that is? Because it's really everyone else. <laughs> it's everybody. So God, grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, courage to change the one I can, and the wisdom to know that person is me. Oh, I and it's, like that. Yeah, it's just a little twist. And it just it just speaks more directly to what choice theory is all about and really what mental freedom is all about as well, because that's the thing that I... I went and developed 
um, beyond the the choice theory that Dr. Glasser taught. And we really focus on that and putting it into place in your life. And I had, even though Dr. Glasser invented choice theory, mm -hmm. I always say I had the very best teacher in my youngest son who taught me that I cannot control anyone other than me <laughs> and taught me in many ways. And I so uh, am grateful to him for the learning. I surely wasn't grateful at the time. I wanted mm -hmm. to kill him and you know, dig a hole in the backyard and dispose of the body somewhere. But today um, he is truly one of my best friends and mm. he helped, he helped hold up that mirror for myself mm. um, in ways that I wasn't ready to do on my own. So I was very, really lucky to have him as a teacher. That's um, a but yeah. Way to see it. Yeah. So choice theory and choice theory grew into mental freedom. And a lot of my mental freedom is based on what I've learned from Kyle. Hmm. I love it. Well, and you know, that, and that really leads to kind of the second thing I was thinking when you were first, you know, talking about what you do in this perspective. And that is um, something I've learned from my grandchildren. And that is, you know, I look back at the time when I was raising my son. And to your point, there were times you're like, I just, <laughs> I'm going to strangle you. I love you. I just don't like you right now. Absolutely. <laughs> but I, you know, especially when he was young and I was, you know, younger and stressed and, you know, living, you know, my life with so much, you know, drama, just, you know, creating more drama. And so I didn't have the patience with him. You know, there were times things that would, you know, get me really highly frustrated. And now with my grandchildren, it's really interesting to see, to be at a different perspective. And they, they do things, I just actually got done spending a week with them. And I took care of him for several days when my son and his girlfriend got away for a few days. And they would do things that when I look back, if that was my son and, you know, I was their parent, I would have been losing my mind. And now I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's do this instead, you know, and just so much more relaxed that it's a, it's a great place to be to recognize the difference between where I was once and where I am now and the peace that's in that when you you do make different choices and you realize what you can and can't control and you realize what's important and what's not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the distance that we have from, you know, this isn't our child. And when we were parents, and I think so many parents actually fall into that trap of believing that what my child does reflects on me. And mm -hmm. so if it's not your child, if it's your grandchild, you don't have that added complication. But mm -hmm. I also think that if we as parents can stop seeing our children as reflections or extensions of ourselves, then we have the, the beautiful task of helping them become who they're supposed to be rather than trying to mold them into the person that we think they should be. Um, and it, it, yeah, it, it helps us relax into that parenting role. And really you're, you're more of a bystander or a guide than the, the person that has to make sure they do things right and who decides what's right. Um, you know, why do you get to decide? Mm -hmm. um, even though just because you're older and maybe, you know, more experienced, that may not be the reason. Children have their own, they have their own path and we can interfere with that and create frustration for both of us. <laughs> or we can try to guide them on their path. I'm laughing so much as I'm taking notes because you're absolutely right. We can totally screw it up in our in our desire to control it. And it reminds me, I've told this story a couple of times on the podcast and, 
And I think I tell it sometimes just to remind myself. Um, and I'm, it's, it, it embarrasses me in a sense, but I, you know, I, I say this story to remind myself. So when my son was, um, I think he was in high school and we were starting to have a lot of struggles, you know, with any kid that you have at, at that point in time. And I remember I was, uh, I was having a session with my counselor at the time. And I said, you know, Tom, I don't understand it. You know, when I was little, all my parents had to say was, I'm disappointed in you. And I was crushed, you know, cause I just, you know, I was raised Catholic, good guilt. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'll say things to my son, like, I can't believe you did that. I'm really disappointed in you. And he'll go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and my counselor said, Michael, do you really want to raise your son with the same level of Catholic guilt that you were brought up in? And I said, yes, <laughs> because it worked. <laughs> yes, if it'll get him to do what I want. Exactly. But that's the really... Yes, if only I can control him. <laughs> that's the really interesting thing about really about humans that, that I know from choice theory. And that's, we all have five basic needs that motivate us. And we all have the same needs, but we have them to varying degrees. So you, I'm going to guess, just from that little story that you told me, you either have a high need for safety and security, or you have a high need for connection. And I'm going to guess it's connection based on what you do for a living. Um, but it, when you have a high need for safety, a high need for connection, and your parents tell you that they're disappointed, if, if connection is what's motivating you, you want to please them. So you'll immediately change your behavior to get that approval from your parents. If it's safety, it might be that you're afraid that you're going to lose their love or lose their protection. So you'll do what they're asking you to do because you're fearful of not doing it. But if you raise children, like maybe your son is and my Kyle is, and their needs are, are freedom, and significance or uh, power, then their job is to do the opposite of what you tell them to do. So if you try to parent your freedom and significance kids with the same uh, style that worked for your connection kids, it's not going to work. And that's the same thing in the workplace, right? We need as managers to lead with love is really to find out what is the motivator of your workforce, not as a conglomerate, but as individuals. What motivates Johnny? What motivates Sarah? What motivates uh, Marcus? You know, you need to find out what their motivation is because people are not motivated to do what's important to you. They're motivated to do what's important to them. So finding that out can really help you get people on board with your mission and vision when you tap into what they also want. It's really how I parented. I had to find something. If I wanted Kyle to do something, well, here's the, the typical thing. I always <laughs> wanted Kyle to clean his room. And, and, you know, he would never do it. And I could punish him. I could say, you, we're not doing anything this weekend until your room's clean. And he'd say, okay. And he wouldn't clean it and we I wouldn't do anything. Child. Yeah. Kyle's 35 now. If I had punished him and told him he couldn't leave his room until his room was clean, he'd still be in that room. Yeah. So yeah. what what motivated him, which was really kind of funny, I told you he he was significance and freedom. So significance was important to him. He liked to make a good impression. Mm. So about every six months, he would clean his room. And you might wonder what happened every six months. Well, Kyle was the kind of kid that 
changed girlfriends about every six months. Oh. And when he got a new girlfriend, he, he would clean his room so that when she came to our home and he showed her around, he could show off his nice, neat, clean room. He knew how to clean it. He just had no desire to do it. So, it, you know, I had to stop pushing my agenda and just let him do it when it was important to him because it got done and he had to live in it. Not me. Wow. I wish I would have, I wish I would have known all about this then. Cause this would have been very, very helpful to me. We hope that you are enjoying this episode of shock your potential. We're going to take a moment now to hear from our sponsor. Are you tired of the time and expense of going to the salon for a mani-pedi? If so, Color Street is your answer. Base, color, and top coats are blended together in an incredible polished strip that you apply yourself. The result? A brilliant salon quality manicure in just minutes with no dry time, smudges, or streaks. These strips are 100% real nail polish, not stickers. They're flexible, can be gently stretched for a perfect fit, and last up to 10 days. I've been using them for months now and love the amazing selection of colors and styles, along with the ability to create my own unique manicure by mixing and matching. Shop today and support our sponsor, Betsy Roberts, by ordering at colorstreet.com backslash B-H Roberts backslash party backslash 209-5611. Again, that's colorstreet.com backslash B-H Roberts backslash party backslash 209-5611. Or simply click the link in our show notes. And I love um, how you bring this in, which goes right into our topic is, you know, leading with love and understanding, you know, that this can truly be a competitive advantage. And you're talking about this in the workplace. It makes so much sense how it can work in your personal life and your professional life. And you're absolutely right. Um, I, I was uh, writing down about, you know, what still what we want as leaders is we are trying to get people to perform in certain ways, which means that we are working off of our agendas, but we're not taking into account that there's different things that motivate people. So tapping into that will really bring better results and probably much more consistent results. So talk to me, talk to us a little bit about that. You know, how can my listeners and viewers, you know, really take this to the next level for themselves and their careers? Well, I would talk about not just results. It also will create longevity and a loyalty mm. because it's, it's true that if I can train leaders to um, recognize the motivation in their employees and they start to em employ these ideas, um, they'll they'll definitely get more uh, cooperation with their agenda. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people will leave the company because they think it's going to be better somewhere else, but there's a big boomerang effect with people mm -hmm. who employ these ideas because when people leave, they realize not all leaders are leading in this way and they'll want to come back. Mm -hmm. So I can't prevent people from leaving, but I can tell you that the people who really appreciate the management style will definitely come back. So there's a, there's a danger too with this. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we have leaders who have been taught to be that kind of hard line leader. This is the, this is the line and they're driving so much towards the, the, um, the key performance indicators, and they want everyone to perform the way that they 
believe that they should perform. And mm. that is the focus. And when that is the total focus, I, I, I kind of uh, uh, align it with the goose with the golden egg, right? The, um, and the, that Aesop's fable, your employees are your geese who are laying your golden eggs for you. And if you decide you want to get all those golden eggs at once and you're going to go slit the goose open to get those eggs like like <laughs> they did in the fable, you're mm -hmm. killing your employees. Yes. And and you're really draining the life out of them. And I don't if if I were leading a company, I don't want people um, who are walking around like zombies afraid of me and what's going to happen if they don't reach their particular goal. Mm -hmm. What but the danger is that people who recognize, they take the look in the mirror and they say, oh yeah, that's been my leadership style. I want to change. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they go all the way to the other end of the continuum and they start um, laying down on the floor and being a doormat for all their workers to walk over and trying to turn themselves inside out, trying to um, become a pretzel for their employees and do whatever their employees want. That doesn't right. work either. That right. has your employees looking at you as a tool that they can use to get what they want. So I work hard to try to help managers and leaders get into that middle ground where you are, you're, really the key is balance. Mm -hmm. You're trying to balance a bunch of things. You're trying to balance results with relationship with your employees. You're trying to balance um, challenging people with supporting mm -hmm. people. And you're also, the big thing is you're trying to balance what you need with what they need. Because I, if, if I were to ask whose needs are more important, the leaders or the employees, most people will fall on one camp or the other. Mm -hmm. But it's really, both are equally important, just like in parenting. Are the parents' needs more important than the kids? Are the kids' needs more important than the parents? Different parents, depending on their parenting style, will say, yeah, my needs are more important because if my needs are getting met, then I can be the best that I can be right. to be a good parent. Okay, I understand that rationale. And there's other parents who will say, no, the kids' needs are more important. And so then they, they spend their life trying to make everything wonderful for their kid and they exhaust themselves and they're yeah. not getting what they need in the process. Yeah. So it's really important as, um, as a manager to balance your needs with the employee's needs. You don't give up your needs so they can have what they want, but you also don't say that that what they want isn't important. And there's, you know, a hundred people waiting outside your door for that job. You yeah. want to nurture the people that you do have. So you can't help them meet their needs if you don't know what they are. Yeah. And it requires not only looking in the mirror, but asking questions and communicating. And it's funny, as you were talking, I was thinking about a mistake I made at one point in time um, when I was leading people. Uh, and I had had a couple a couple different times, I think three, three clear times where I burned myself out. And so I was, when I started, you know, uh, leading people really large teams. I was very cognizant of that because I had just come from, you know, kind of a burnout place and I didn't want that to happen. So I talked to my leadership team about really being careful about work-life balance. And what I, I was so um, concerned with it that what I found is that people were starting to make it more life-work balance and they were taking advantage of the fact that I was proactively, you know, trying to discuss this, but 
I, when I look back and I reflect, I allowed that conversation to go too deep. I allowed too, you know, I, I allowed too much latitude with it because I was trying to go to the opposite, you know, extreme. I didn't know it, know it at the time, but I remember at one point in time, I was talking to somebody and I said, oh, okay, I need to have this meeting. And he's like, well, I'm going to go, you know, be at my son's baseball game. And I'm like, <laughs> we've had this meeting scheduled. It's always at this time. What do you mean you're going to go do this? And, and he's like, but you told me I need to have work-life balance. And I'm like, okay, this has gone too far. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I don't want you to miss your son's baseball game, but then there's a protocol. You say, Hey, I would like to miss this meeting because of this. And this is the, you know, you don't just change your whole life and we work your work around your life. But when I, when I reflect on that, that really came back to me. I mean, it was, it was an awareness. So I had to watch that. I didn't also then go back to this, the other extreme and be too much like, here's what you have to do and do this because I'm your manager. And I said so. And it, so it's a constant, you know, juggle of being aware of yourself as well as aware of your team, I think. Absolutely. That is exactly what it is. And when I train people, sometimes they do go all the way from being that boss to being that permissive person. <clears throat> and then they realize that permissive person doesn't work. So they go back to bossing. Or <laughs> this is the other thing that can happen. They bounce back and forth between those two positions and their employees are saying, okay, are you the good witch today or the bad witch? You know, and everybody's walking on eggshells because they don't know who you're going to be. That unpredictableness is very detrimental to the environment. So yeah. there's some things that a manager leader can do um, to create a need satisfying environment for most people without even knowing what your individual people's needs are. But I do think that knowing each person is very helpful. So will you ask yourself as the leader, do people feel safe here? And mm. what do they need to feel safe if they don't? So that's one need. Do they have good relationships here? Do they know that I care about them? Do they care about one another? Are the teams healthy? Are they functioning well? Um, do they have a connection to the mission and vision of the organization? Do they have um, connection with middle management or upper management, depending on what kind of leader you are? Mm -hmm. uh, because that's all you have a part to play in that. Um, if you don't just form teams and let them figure it out, if teams aren't working, you need to do some team building mm -hmm. and you have a responsibility in creating that. So that's connection. And then significance, it's for the people who are high significance that I'm not a big fan of the concept of work-life balance. I understand it. And I, I really was on board with it for a while. But people with high significance, they can work all day and not get burnt out. They love to work. That's what they do. And to force some relaxation time on them absolutely makes things worse. It's a punishment. It is. So I understand that work-life balance, I think it's kind of funny because it's really all life. It's not, work isn't something separate. So we're all working to get our needs met in a particular day. And if I'm a high significance person, then work is my life. And I'm not being burnt out by it because I'm being energized and nurtured and fed with it. So recognizing that is as a leader, can be really helpful. You don't need to 
have that person doing too much work-life balance. And then there's the people that are your freedom and your fun people who have a low need for significance. They'll want to play all day long. And you might have to talk to them about, um, you know, they have some results that they have to produce. So Mm -hmm. it depends on who you're dealing with. So for significance people, I like to um, give responsibility to people provide them with opportunities to have a leadership role, maybe have them as a team leader or have them present on something to the company, something that they're an expert in. Um, People with a high need for significance, they enjoy that. They like that. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a high need for freedom, you want to make sure that people have independence in their work. And I like to, to say, independence that they can responsibly manage because, (laughs) you know, right now we have uh, COVID and people are working from home and some people function really well from home and they produce like crazy because all the distractions aren't there. Mm -hmm. They don't have to keep answering the work telephone and having people pop in their office with, with problems or questions. So some people do really well. There's other people who are at home and they're kind of adrift and they don't really are they really not able to accomplish things because they're looking and, oh dear, there's dirty dishes in the sink and, oh, I really have to fold that laundry and they're not focused on what they need to do. So freedom is important. A high freedom person absolutely hates the boss looking over their shoulder with that micromanagement kind of approach, but a safety and security person, they actually like the boss giving them that attention and showing them the way to go. Um, because they're afraid of making a mistake. So it's important to be able to distinguish between those two. And then the, the, um, the last need is the need for joy. And so do you create moments of that at work? Do you allow your people to create moments? Joy can be um, humor. It can be play. It can be relaxation. And it's also, and here's where it really comes into play in the workplace, it's about discovery learning. So those joyful moments of learning something, discovering it on your discovering it on your own, that's really important to the work that you're doing. So it's relevant, it's useful, and you've created opportunities for people to figure it out on their own, whether that's in training or mentoring. Um, you really work to allow people to discover that on their own. And that is a total pure moment of joy for, for folks. So when you can create those opportunities at work, it's your job to create the opportunities. It's your employee's job to recognize the opportunity and then engage with that opportunity because you can't make people get their needs met at work. Um, You can only create the opportunity for them to do that. And if you find that they're not engaging, maybe talking to each one to see if there's something more specific you could do that would tap into that particular person's needs. Excellent. Kim, this is fascinating. I've taken so many notes. I really... I really appreciate um, your what you've shared with us because it's uh, it just makes me think even now about my team because my entire team is remote uh, in Kenya, and um, there's obviously challenges with distance, um, but uh, it's it's a great way to look at you know who who is on the team 
and what are their needs? Because I had not thought of it from that perspective. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I can't wait to uh, to read some of your books. Um, and I know that we could probably talk along forever. We'll have all your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, uh, because they can't wait to uh, learn more about this, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, I would say um, coachingforexcellence.biz, and the four is spelled out F-O-R, coachingforexcellence.biz. Okay. Coachingforexcellence.biz. Excellent. And before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, I just... Yes, actually. The the one thing I want to say is, please don't, if you recognize anything in what I've said that you think that maybe you've been making a mistake, please don't beat yourself up over that mistake. Because part of what I teach is that every single person is doing the best they can at any given moment. And, and it's, it, it, they're doing the best they can in any given moment to get what they want. And what you want is a successful business. So there's nothing wrong with you doing the best you could. And now that you know maybe a different way or, or, or a way that you would like to try, then just give it a try. Don't don't beat yourself up over things that you've done in the past because now you have new information. So you're a different person now. You would mm-hmm. make different choices. And I think that's really important because our past mistakes are learning opportunities. They are not something to beat yourself up over. And I like to pass that on to employees as well. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, And mistakes are great things when you learn something from them. Absolutely. And I think that just seals our theme for the month as well, to love ourselves, lead ourselves with love. So we give ourselves a break when we need it. Kim, just fantastic information. Thank you so much for being our guest today. I am so glad we are connected. I'm really happy to have been here. It was great. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.